0: episode of the star wars universe podcast today we are back to talking about the clone wars we're still going with season one today episodes six through ten i'm matthew one of your co-hosts and once again i'm joined by riki and sarah hayashi our other co-hosts how are you folks doing today you're doing all right
1: it is an awesome saturday afternoon here i I think i'm actually going to go for a run outside after this
0: that that sounds like your weather's warming up pretty nicely.
1: It snowed yesterday.
0: <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> it, it is a Saturday where I am not on the road judging magic, so I'm I'm pretty happy enjoying a day a uh, a day here at home. So uh let's let's um let's chat a bit about uh what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about episode 6 through 10 the clone wars. We've got a couple of um kind of episode arcs so they bounce around a little bit. Um starting with uh the episode arc around R2 and um, Anakin being lost and alone without his droid and trying to rescue his droid. And then, about um, kind of some further repercussions of that, about uh, Darth Sidious being upset at uh, General Grievous and General Grievous eventually um, sort of having to fight some Jedi. Um, and as before, um, this is, we're assuming that everyone who's listening to this has seen most of the other Star Wars properties and that you've at least seen Star Wars The Clone Wars up to this episode. We will have a spoiler section later where we talk about uh, how these episodes fit into more of what we know about the Clone Wars from what we've seen already. But for for right now, we're just going to be focusing on up to episode 10. So we'll go over episode by episode in a moment. But starting out, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, on these episodes? Terrible. Yeah.
2: Yeah, season, season one is pretty bad. Yeah.
1: So the, so the last episode, so first, the first episode of the podcast, we did one through five, episodes one through five. And I just arbitrarily chose those because I noticed that they were written by the same person, uh, Stephen, mm-hmm. Stephen Melching. So I thought it was kind of interesting that the show opened that way. And maybe, maybe that was to give it a little consistency or, or something like that. But here we start to just get into complete randomness. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you mentioned we have Six and Seven, Downfall of a Droid, and Duel of the Droids. These are... I'm looking at the list. These are both directed by the same person, Rob Coleman. But then Episode 6 is written by one person, uh George Christick. And then Episode 7 is written by two completely different people, Kevin Campbell and H- Henry Gilroy. So... I I don't know why they're they're doing that, but yeah. I, I think it's it's adding to the kind of like randomness of this season in a lot of
0: ways. I I think that's very true, and I think this is. I like this show because it has a lot of very interesting plot arcs, and and overall it has an, a number of character and plot arcs. But there's an awful lot of filler, and this is both. I think. You know, we're now kind of spoiled that almost every TV show now is a really kind of focused story over a season and we don't get much kind of episodic television. Um, And this is not, you know, from 20 million years ago, but it's from before that was really common. And especially with a kids show and a a show that was on uh, very often. I think there was much more of a push to just have a lot of filler episodes and – There's some interesting stuff we learn about characters in these, but I I definitely think these are pretty filler. And I will say, um, I remember, uh, Riki, as you were first watching these, I woke up one morning and got a text that just said, Jar Jar, really? With a whole bunch of question marks. (laughs) Um, And I definitely have the same feeling here. I I, I appreciate that he has a smaller role than he does, but the Jar Jar episodes are by far some of my least favorite, and we unfortunately get a really obnoxious one in this group. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still, it definitely feels like they're still sort of trying to find their, their footing as a series, uh-huh. and just kind of throwing in a bunch of think, random plot lines and almost seeing what sticks. Um,
1: well, they're still trying to figure out what to do with the character of Ahsoka, mm-hmm. because yep. she, she, in this set, she still refers to Anakin as Sky Guy, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> also has an annoying nickname for R2-D2.
2: We talked about mm-hmm. R2E in the, but yeah, and in um so the first two episodes that we're talking about this season or this episode rather, uh it, it's where R2D2 gets lost and Anakin goes to go save him and, and and most of the Jedi Council are like it's just a droid, don't worry about it, dude. Um, but it's revealed that R2D2's memory has never been wiped, so they're like, oh yeah, no, go go get the computer filled filled with all of our secrets. And here, take this replacement droid along with you, and and Ahsoka like instantly befriends it because it's like a cute little astromech, and oh, yeah. Goldie, turns out- Goldie, Goldie, yeah, yeah. She gives gives, it- gives <laughs> the new
1: droid a nickname immediately. The, so the new droid is um, R
2: three S something
1: R three S six, and is basically R two but gold,
2: yeah. right? Uh, yeah, and turns out he's a uh, he's a double agent working for Grievous. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah and she's it's just like she seems very naive very like yeah giving everything nicknames playing um very childish almost and Mm -hmm. she she advances past this pretty quickly but yeah it seems like they're still trying to find
0: what what she should be what her character is i i think that's a good point and i i think i think that's kind of true of her but also i think of the show in general um my feeling is, and, and, and Ricky, I didn't know who had written and directed things, but I, so I appreciate you really finding that, because I think it just confirms this. I get the sense that at this point, they there wasn't really a strong showrunner who was like telling all the directors and writers, here's what we're doing and where we're going. It was just kind of, you know, make 25 entertaining minutes for kids with these characters, and if you can hit these character beats, great. Um, and I think that might be why the the feel of it feels kind of all over the place. Um because um, you're right, I think there's a number of things. Anakin, I, I think we do get some really interesting development of Anakin's character, Um, and we learn more about the kind of relationship between some of the Separatist leaders. But overall, it just feels like kind of all over the place.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do stick with the theme like we were talking about last week um, with Anakin and how he's developing feelings for other people like attachments to other people or droids or droids yeah like r2 um so they 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 mention when uh i think obi-wan's chastising him for never wiping r2's memory he's like well it's come in handy a couple of times but in in like a big military operation like this like you, you definitely would assume that those pros do not outweigh the cons of just like having all of your military strategy stored in in one adorable little astromech um and it seems like the reason he's not wiping his memory is because he's he's become attached to r2 it's
1: because r2 is the force
2: (laughs) r2 is the force (laughs) well didn't
1: have you heard this theory yeah well that he uses
2: well i've heard that like he uses the force in a new hope to like um explode r5d4 and make sure that he gets taken along with 3po
1: there's that when we are first introduced to r2d2 First, I say chronologically first in the movies in um, Phantom Menace, R2 is just a, a random astromech droid on Padme's ship and then like several other astromech droids fail to make the repairs on the outside of the ship and then R2 does. And, and, uh-huh. and so like R2 consistently has been the hero, at least in the movies, who kind of miraculously does things. You know, like R two helps Anakin, um, child Anakin, quote unquote, randomly destroy the droid control ship in the Battle of right. Naboo, and so it's just kind of like always there. Obviously, helps Luke Skywalker uh, in the Battle of Yavin. So there, there are some fans who believe that R two can use the Force, or is in fact the living embodiment of the Force. Living, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's, like why R2 is R2's my favorite character. Um I think because he's he's the only one throughout the whole Skywalker yeah I was going to say trilogy but that's not accurate. Nine movie saga. I think they call it the saga, Skywalker saga. Yeah. Saga. Um that that he 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 knows everything, right? Like he knows yes. what's going on the whole time. We don't have any <laughs> Which other makes character. Who's... Some of the
1: plot awkward. Yeah, for it's like, sure. haven't
2: you met these people before,
1: R2? Because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, uh, when Bail Organa um, takes the droids, takes custody of the droids, he tells Captain Antilles, "Make sure to wipe C3PO that protocol droid's memories because he knows too much about this secret stuff. He shouldn't mm. know." doesn't mention r2 so like oh, yeah, everyone really point everyone thinks r2's memory stays unwiped throughout the whole saga yeah. and just knows everything and for some reason doesn't say like yo luke so this darth vader guy is your father
2: well mm-hmm. i mean like yeah yeah and also when um in empire when they uh go visit yoda like not only does Yoda not recognize oh, yeah, R two, he should know either. Yeah, like, right? They should they should know each other. It's like, stop beating me with a stick, dude. We hung out for a long time. So, I, I don't yeah. know if
1: that was just a mistake for Bale to not mention R two, or if if it was deliberate at that point to kind of play mm-hmm. into this. R two is a part of this, but it's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a fun theory. I've heard some other ones about R two, not that one, but I think you're on to something. The two of my other favorite things about, kind of related about R two is that R two is basically the um, the Gryffindor of the whole story, and then pretty much every (laughs) pretty much every time you hear him beeping, it can be translated as "hold my beer," Um, because he has such a like. Okay, I'm gonna go do the crazy thing. But you're right. He is the one who, him and Chewbacca. But like Chewbacca, at least it's pretty easy to get a sense of what he means most of the time. R two, we literally have to have someone translate him all the time. Um, And you're right, though he knows everything. He's been with every part of the story, um, in a way that I, I find a little, I found a little annoying in the prequels, but. I do think there's something kind of interesting about why he is through all of this. And, and I kind of wish that someone had explained that more because my sense is they just felt like R2 is cute. Let's throw him in without realizing <laughs> what the plot ramifications of that were. But I do think it's kind of fun.
2: Yeah, well, it's neat having this like all-knowing character who just speaks in like mechanical beeps and whistles um, because it does leave that, that big interpretation of, of what he's saying. And I think it, it leaves the um like the creators of of clone wars and of and of the other movies a lot more um i guess bandwidth to work with because yeah we we never get a translation of what r2 saying directly like 3po might might say something and people will respond to him but we can sort of extrapolate it, basically it's open to interpretation what he's saying it, whereas if it was like yoda who's speaking in english the whole time and mm-hmm. he then then he's got these like stuck set lines that we can't deviate away from mm. right
1: well ba- based on 3po's reactions sometimes i i like to imagine that r2 actually just swears like a sailor
0: oh yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think there are a couple times where specifically he's like uh oh yeah there there's one time in um the last jedi when r2 is trying to convince luke to come back And Luke says something, and R2 really disagrees with it. And Luke actually says, Hey, watch your language. We're in the (laughs) sacred temple here. Um, So clearly he is swearing up a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. R rated Star Wars R2.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on some level, I kind of like. I wonder how much this was intentional. Well, I guess it can't be because Marvel was written at different times. But for me, I really associate R2 and Groot together, Mm. especially like. Mm uh r2 and teenage groot um but just in that like they're both creatures who only communicate in a very specific way but someone else can translate them and yet are very expressive in their own ways yeah for sure um so let's kind of start talking about some of the plot stuff um and i guess we can kind of go episode by episode uh what well, well no let's let's talk about hmm What do you all think? Do you want to... Because there are a couple of kind of themes that get played out or do you want to talk about it just episode by episode?
2: Oh, geez. Well, I think we kind of touched on six and seven um, a little bit, but I don't know. Dealer's choice.
0: Let's let's kind of dive into them a little bit uh, episode by episode and give a little bit of plot summary. Um, And just because it all kind of connects into a story, so let's just talk about the... um, Episode six and seven is this R2 chain and um, we basically find out that... uh, Anakin is concerned that R2 is lost because as, as you all said um, R2 contains a lot more memory that uh, he's supposed to um, and but uh, and Anakin kind of just decides he's gonna gonna go looking for R2 and it seems obi-wan is not happy about that but also doesn't give him a direct command not to um, he goes looking for R2 he is very mean to the droid who he has instead uh, R3 as uh, um, Ashoka calls him Golden Boy or Golden, whatever it is. Goldie. Um, Goldie. Um, we run into a uh, kind of black market uh, droid seller who claims that he doesn't have R2 and then crazy things happen on that person's um, ship or a, a space station. And then it turns out he does have R2 and he's working for Darth Sidious because everyone has to have a secret plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually things get back to R two is on uh, General Grievous's ship, and our heroes get onto the ship and rescue R two, and are able to uh, eventually uh, defeat defeat Grievous and um uh, and get away with R two. Um, I'm probably messing up some of the details there, but the plot details were not terribly memorable in that regard. Um, so obviously, these are not great episodes. I think we can kind of agree on that. <laughs> Um, what what did you take of Anakin? What, what do you think we learned about him in in, in this in this plot line?
2: Yeah, well, uh, like you were saying, he is really mean to R three S six, but I think R- like R three S six is incompetent and and purposely so. We we learn later because R- uh, he's working for Grievous, and his job is basically to sabotage um, Anakin's mission. But yeah, he's just very like you're not you're not my mom. You're not my real mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. right like he he has this sort of loose guise of oh well I haven't wiped R2's memory so I need to go save him to to recover that information but like I think everybody knows like he's just going because he likes R2 um, yeah. and, and he's going to go save his friends every other mission point be damned
0: <laughs> yeah I think there's kind of a feedback loop there of it's there probably is some truth to the idea that the droid that has all this information shouldn't stay in enemy hands. But the fact that he has all the information is because, like you said, he, he cares about R2 and he doesn't want to mind wipe him because he, he likes him as a friend instead of just a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to me, this is a really, you know, it, it's kind of some of the same themes we were getting about um, Anakin in the past. But I, I do like that we're starting to see a little bit more kind of dark sidiness creeping in because what I what I see here is we, we we've already kind of established that he's a he's a little more um, attached to people than the Jedi like him to be, and part of what I'm seeing now is some of the dangers of attachment that the Jedi are always talking about because he is letting his feelings of attachment mean that he's not making the most rational decisions. Um, uh, yeah,
1: he he goes on what what's the Trandoshian, I believe. Uh-huh. The junk trader guy. Mm-hmm. They go. Right. On, hey, Anakin and Ahsoka go on this guy's ship. And then just kind of push their way past him.
2: Pretending to be a married couple? Like yeah, a newlywed couple? Weird. Which is weird, yeah. I, Start, I thought
0: it was father-daughter, but maybe oh, it's married no, it was like married weirder.
2: and it was like Pookums needs a new astromech. It was super weird.
1: He, okay. he just cuts up the ship with his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You know... Uh, puts holes in the door, blows up the assassin droid merchandise, and I think threatens him even with yeah. his lightsaber oh, yeah. as they're leaving. Yep, and yeah, these are not very Jedi-ish actions.
2: Yeah, he's 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 pissed, um, and like he can tell that R two is on the ship probably just like through the Force, which is interesting, seeing as like R two is an android, right? Like,
0: yeah. I- and that's interesting because um, I'm actually reading a book now um, that confirms this, but um, there's, I think it's been said a couple of other times in the Star Wars canon that uh, droids don't register in the Force because uh, it's living beings. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you all disappointed or kind of like a little, not taken back, but like I'm wondering how you reacted when you found out that um, this droid trainer was actually working for uh, Sidious and actually had R2?
2: I mean, him actually having R2 wasn't that surprising, but yeah, the fact that it was he was working for Sidious was a little like I don't know convenient? Um, like, too convenient? Like, how does everybody work for Sidious? Is it just like there are good guys yes. and there are bad guys? And all the yeah. bad guys work for Sidious. Even good the good guys work for Sidious. too. Yeah. This yeah, is I,
1: like the worst worst case of someone playing a two-player game against themselves like just playing chess at home yeah you have no one to play with so you're like playing both sides
0: Mm. yeah i think that's a good point i i i know and um i've talked about this before about my feeling about the end of the clone wars movie i'm sorry the attack of the clones um i remember being disappointed because i feel like we like you were just saying um we see in these episodes that Anakin is not being the most Jedi and that maybe he's not really being very nice to this golden new droid in, in sort of undeserved ways. And maybe he's being way too pushy and mean to this droid seller. And so then to find out that the two people he's being mean to both actually do work for Sidious, mm-hmm. it, it felt like it kind of undercut the point. You know, It felt like the, they were trying to do two different things at the same time that don't work yeah, in terms of Anakin's about. character.
2: Uh, like of the ends justifying the means kind of situation where like what if they weren't working for Sidious Then he would have just been a jerk to these guys for no reason but like he had no way of knowing that they were working for it or never indicated that he was suspicious that they were working for him I guess his one his one thing is like with the um the the what was his name toy the 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 salvage i think, I guy. think he's a trend um, I'll look it up quick while you're talking <laughs> cool um yeah he he like anakin knew that r2 was on that ship so when he said like no we haven't seen any astromech droids recently that look like that then i think um Anakin, like, instantly knew he was lying. I think I just called him Luke a second ago. That's good. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it had a little more cause to be so, I guess, violent with him. But yeah, like, his, his biggest quabble against Goldie, uh, in the beginning, seemed to be like, you're not R2, I don't want a new astromech droid, I want mm-hmm. my old astromech droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later, um, Goldie started being... Yeah, really incompetent. Like, let's go to hyperdrive. And it's like, what? Shed, shed the hyperdrive? Eject the hyperdrive? Well, that's okay. when he
1: should have known he was a spy. Mm-hmm. Not because he was intentionally doing things to get Anakin caught, but because he was an incompetent droid. And it seems right. like all of the Separatist droids just are bumbling idiots. <laughs> <laughs> are
2: your,
0: who that, that is a good point. Although
2: yeah. I guess he's not a bumbling idiot because he's...
1: He was doing a very good job of sabotaging on yes, purpose. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. The least bumbling of the droids. Yes,
0: maybe he's a little too competent to be a, a, a droid. <laughs> and I looked it up. He's, he's a Trandoshian named Ga Gahnacht. Ga Don't... Don't
1: question me on irrelevant factoids in the I Star know. Wars universe.
0: My, Okay, speaking
2: of irrelevant factoids, I don't even irrelevant factoids, just like little throwaway bits that make no gosh darn sense. R2 knocking off his restraining bolt? What the oh, heck was yeah. up with that? Yeah. So yeah,
1: I, I, I fundamentally, I guess, do not understand what a restraint, restraining bolt is supposed to be.
2: But it shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to just, like, knock it against the door and have it come flying up. You shouldn't be able to move in such a way that you can even knock yourself against. Right? That, that well, Doesn't
0: a restraining bolt restrain you? What
2: does a restraining well, bolt do? And
0: certainly, if R2 has the ability to do that, why doesn't he do it in A New Hope when Luke puts the restraining bolt on him? Yeah. You know, he, he specifically needs Luke to take off. So, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a small detail, but it's one that doesn't – it's something I don't like about almost all of the – um movies that were done since um the original trilogy is they keep making r2 cooler and mm-hmm. they keep giving him new powers <laughs> the, ro- and he the jet rockets it. yeah the jet rockets and and like it's just sort of like okay well then why didn't you use those in empire mm-hmm. <laughs> return of the jedi like come on man. yeah
2: like especially if they were giving him like cool new powers in the sequels then like sure whatever yeah but yeah especially in the prequels it's like what why why aren't you using your 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 rockets anymore why aren't you using your ability to remove your right. force or Your, your ri- original
1: trilogy r2 can't even get upstairs yeah in theory
0: it seems like a yeah. big design flaw but it does. you know and if it's a dalek kind of thing a daleks kind of thing you know he's advanced technology great but let's talk about that when mm-hmm. does that happen yeah um I am also left fairly unclear by this. Do you have any understanding of the chain of command among the generals in um the Republic army because the fact that Obi-Wan can say like, "Well, Anakin, we need your fleet to do this." And Anakin can say, "Nah, I'm going to go do this other thing instead." And no one and and, and Obi-Wan is all, "Well, okay. I, that sucks, but I guess you can do that." Um I, I don't really have any idea who's in charge.
2: I don't think anyone is, and I think that's kind of like the point? Like, there, there... Is is—is it oligarchy where it's, like, a ruling by, um, like, a, a few... Yeah. Heads? So I think that's what they're, like, trying to be, this very, like, they are the council, and the council leads as, as like, a unit. And there's no, mm-hmm. like, one head honcho. Like, there is... I mean, I guess... So that, I think that's among the Jedi, though. And then once you get to, like, the Republic in general, I mean, clearly you have, like... Palpatine has has is the chancellor and consolidates all his power and gets sort of a special wartime effort to be mm-hmm. the, the the leader. But yeah, before that, it seems like it's it's just everybody has sort of an equal say kind of situation, which doesn't seem the most efficient. But
0: and, and I, 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 Riki, I'm, I'm turning this to you especially because you're really good with the the specific details. But my sense is that this hasn't been consistent because I think there's already been times when. Obi-Wan did give uh, Anakin a specific order, and Anakin had to follow it. Am I, am I remembering wrong there? or uh,
1: I I don't know. A- Anakin is pretty inconsistent in terms of how he responds to orders, and I think it's just kind of plot-based, mm-hmm.
2: uh-huh. whether
1: he follows orders or not. Yeah. Uh, in terms of rankings, uh, the use of general, like all of the Jedi, it seems, are generals. Right. That we encounter, or at Including least all of Including the 12
0: year old intern, mm-hmm. which makes no sense to <laughs> me whatsoever.
1: I think Pad or, um, Ahsoka is actually referred to as a commander at some point. So I think Padawans are commanders, but there's, there's a lot of confusion here because at least in terms of contemporary military rankings, general is like Sorry. a ground based army rank. And then we have admirals, like Admiral Yularin, Um, and that is a, you know, in contemporary military, that's a naval rank. And we, we right. often see this in science fiction where they port over naval ranks to starships because they're quote-unquote ships.
0: Right, it's the but fleet. But it, it's,
1: not, it's not really clear how, like, these naval and ground ranks are supposed to interact in terms of hierarchy and who is in command of who. Uh, because in our in in modern military branches they're different so you don't right. really have that interaction where a general would interact with an order order around an admiral in in a military conflict
0: and in some of the um uh the novels that came out after uh the first trilogy the timothy zahn books they do talk about there being an imperial navy and an imperial army and them being distinct um but certainly in the clone wars, we haven't seen that, especially we've seen we've seen clones who are ground troops and who are piloting ships and who are helping to drive everything. Um mostly I just noted it because it just it just seemed like there are times when Anakin is, you know, is breaking orders and time when Anakin is just kind of allowed to do his own thing and people are being frustrated. Um so
1: I, I do want to talk really quick in this episode because I like I like starships, uh-huh. as I may have mentioned. Um <laughs> The, the ships in General Grievous' fleet at the beginning of Episode 6, they are called Munificent Class Frigates, which okay. is an interesting name. You know, we talked about uh, last episode about the Malevolence, which was kind of a one-of. But a lot, of, a lot of ships, you know, have kind of threatening-sounding names, you know, like Vindicator and stuff like that. Right. Munificent. Are you familiar with this word?
0: A little bit. I mean, it it sounds like three other words that I know it's not. So, what is it actually?
1: (laughs) It sounds kind of like maleficent. Yeah. It is the definition of munificent is of a gift or sum of money, larger or more generous than is usual or necessary. (laughs) So, maybe like a bribe, bribe bribish kind of thing, or just, yeah, like to curry favor.
0: I mean, given that a larger, a lot of the separation is being funded by the banking clan and, and yes. trade federation. I think there, there's an interesting connection there.
1: Exactly. So it's actually, these ships were produced by the banking clan and that's okay. why it has this name. But I, I, I hope, you know, like this, so that's the class of the frigate. I hope the individual starships have, you know, names like income tax and stuff like that. <laughs> that is, that is financially
0: based. The prime rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, the I, I I like that idea. And it, it it again it's one of the things that frustrates me because clearly some of the writers are really paying attention to little details, which makes the fact that when they miss huge details just seem really confusing to me. Um well, this I, I whole will, thing
1: is confusing.
0: Well, yeah, it's right? like very true. <laughs> the
1: banking clan, like what who's the banking clan? Why are they doing this? And I'm sure there's a book or a comic book that explains the banking clan in depth far more than we would ever want to know.
0: Yeah. Um, Jonah Kelman will be able to come on sometime and tell us all of that. But I'm I, I, I'm kind of – the it, it's sort of the same thing I bring to Marvel, which is that the comic books help me better understand Marvel movies and give me different perspectives. But I feel like it is legitimate to say I need things in the Marvel on-screen universe – to make sense in and of themselves and not need me to go read a book to explain them. And I kind of hold the Star Wars universe to the same standard. Um, that it's, it's cool to read the stuff, but if it doesn't make sense just from what I know on screen, then that means it's not something went wrong in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. One so- other uh, thing I noticed is um, General Grievous is saying impossible at least three or four times an episode by now. Um, is that the inconceivable of this universe? Um. Did you notice this as much as I do?
1: I did not. What I noticed was the repeated use of, I have a bad feeling about this. The yeah. classic uh, Lando slash Han line.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is used, I believe, in every single Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, and it's now used in like at least one out of every two or three episodes in this show, yeah. if not more often.
1: It, it It's definitely overused in season one.
0: Uh-huh. I'd agree with that. All right, so let's go into... Um, episode, in episode
1: 9 and 10?
0: Uh, 8, actually, first. I, oh. I know what? it involves episode our eight? least favorite character. Here's the thing, though. Okay, so Episode 8 is a really weird one because <sighs> it brings in two of my least favorite characters in the universe, also two of the most racist, um, Jar Jar Binks and Newt Gunray. Yes. But it also brings up, a, I think, a very fascinating plot line in terms of... A planet that doesn't know if it wants to be in the Republic or the Separatists. So let's spend two or three minutes just bashing the characters we don't like and then maybe talk about the good parts of the episode. Um, and just for a quick summary, um, we find out that, um, the planet that, um, I forget the name of the race, but, uh, basically if you remember Guido, the person who Han does shoot first, um, that is not in question, um... Guido, it turns out, comes from this race that is a planet on the edge of the galaxy that has not yet decided if it's going to be with the Republic or with the Separatists. And the main thing we know is that it is really going through very hard economic times because it's a poor planet and because of the war. And Padme goes out there to try and convince them to join the Republic. But it turns out that their leader, who is um, an old family friend of Padme, has actually already made a deal with Count Dooku and the um separatists um in that he will betray Padme in order to get food and relief efforts for his planet. Um hijinks ensue uh in which, among other things, a uh unnamed person pretends to be a Jedi and helps to rescue Padme. Um, that unnamed person making annoying noises that we hate, because yes, it is Jar Jar. Um, they rescue Padme, and uh, eventually the um, they rescue him in part because the senator realizes he made a terrible mistake and um, helps to free Padme, and he says to Padme, can you ever forgive me? And she says, you know, it is we who should forgive you, basically acknowledging, like, that the Republic had put his planet in a terrible position, and she understands what he did. Um, So, okay, let's get it out of the way first. Jar Jar and um, the... um. What are the the racist Asian stereotype race called? The,
1: the Nemodians.
0: Nemodians, um, the Trade Federation types. Um, give us your rant about Jar Jar and Newt Gunray.
1: Well, I, I mean it's it's more than a rant. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I can rant about how racist <laughs> the 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 accent, and then the fact that they are, you know, portrayed as physically weak. Mm -hmm. and use droids to fight instead of themselves and are focused on finance and trade like these are all these are all amazing stereotypes that i grew up with right like Mm -hmm. so what what more can i say than it's just it was horribly startling and insulting to to see these characters
0: yeah. And and when I said rant, I, I just kinda meant we can talk about it. I, I don't mean to anyway uh delegitimize that. I think it it's all very true. And in the same way, just for anyone who hasn't really heard this analysis before, um, Jar Jar Banks is also a character who, if you understand what he's doing, as um he's basically very much a stereotype of Caribbean, especially Jamaican um uh men stereotypes. The uh the patois that he speaks in the kind of I think they're supposed to be ears or something, but they look a lot like dreadlocks. Mm. Um, the the way he is portrayed as kind of super happy go lucky and always a little out of it. I mean, almost stoned. Um, but you know, like you know, uh, I'm I'm just here to be a happy servant and to do what I can for you. Um, you know, you can almost hear massa coming out of his coming out of his yeah. mouth. Yeah, um, he's very much a, a racist Jamaican stereotype. Um, so, yeah, I, I think both of these characters are, frust- you know, they're both horribly racist and also just deeply unpleasant to have on the screen. Um, they don't really add much to the plot. They kind of, in some ways, like, for me, part of what is so frustrating about this episode is this episode is reminding me that there are serious political machinations happening in this world, but that this is also a world where Jar Jar Binks can become a senator. Which makes it hard for me to take seriously the idea of political machinations in this world. So
1: um, beyond the rant, here here's kind of the more interesting part about race in Star Wars. Go for the, it. The original movie, A New Hope, was obviously very white, right? Uh, in terms of the actors, and that and that's just a reality of at the time. It was a kind of low budget, shot in the dark movie that George Lucas was making, right? Right. Um, so nineteen seventies, the, the movie industry was white, like you're just you're just making this movie on a whim. Sure, that's what most of your actors are gonna be. And and that's fine. And that continues kind of into Empire Strikes Back. You do add, you know, Billy D. Williams to the cast. But by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, what you have is you have a successful movie franchise, you have a bigger budget, and you have this expansion of the universe. Where right. you are adding different races in ter- races in terms of like space races to the picture. Yeah, um, in A New Hope, you had the the you know thirty second scene in the cantina where you just kind of like one shots of a bunch of different masks of of races, and, and that was like the budget they had. But by the time you get to Return the Jedi. We get the Mon Cal, Mon Calamari, ad, led by Admiral Akbar as a very prominent part of the rebellion. Uh-huh. You get Jabba the Hutt and all of his different minions, you know, the Gamorrean guards and all of that. And so that there was a real expansion of the, the different space races in Star Wars at that point. And what what it solidified was that the rebellion was this multi-racial collective of people and the empire was still just a bunch of white white men and right. the the canon has developed in a way that um that the empire is in fact a human supremacist organization right like mm-hmm. that's we all accept that that is a truth of this universe so what's interesting to me is then going back to the prequel trilogy where you have this republic with all these different planets, all these different races. How do we go from a diverse republic to a human supremacist empire? Yeah. And it's, I I don't know if this was intentional on George Lucas's part, but basically casting aliens as the, the enemy as the other, you know, because you have the Mm -hmm. Nemodians as the, the evil people in, in the trade federation, uh, other, uh, other races in the separatists are like the, um, Geonosians Mm -hmm. who actually build the droid army. And then, and then we see like how all of these, these, these different races come together as the separatist alliance. And it's weird because the, the Republic side still does have a lot of racial diversity. So it's not exactly clear, how Palpatine then brings about this kind of human, human supremacy in that system. But at least casting aliens for the most part as the enemy. Yeah. It is interesting to me. And we can see how that might set up a future where the humans take control and kind of, you know, literally or, or figuratively enslave the other races.
0: Yeah. The time between, um, the end of Return of the Sith and the beginning of New Hope is a time that has really not been explored at all. Um, the movie Solo is set during that time and whatever you think of that movie, um, it doesn't really flesh out any of this story of how does it become, you know, more of a, uh, an all-humans thing. Um, one thing I think is interesting, um, especially in the show, because it's easy to forget because the art is done in such a way that it's not abundantly clear, um, but the clones are not white the clones are clones of a More, of a, uh, I mean whatever it is in the new zealand world but the 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 original um maori maori thank you yeah the the new, indigenous people of new zealand is that the actor is from that community uh and so they're all supposed to be cloned on someone who is of uh, a a brownish skin color um and and certainly not white at least in our world um
2: yeah but then they get I, wrapped in the the, the
0: white outfit the, of the stormtroopers yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Um and and I think I think the point there about the um the, the alien as other is a really interesting one, especially because Star Wars still is very locked into and it's something we've talked about a lot on the superhero ethics idea uh podcast, that the easiest way to get an audience to hate a race is to make them ugly. Mm. Um and so you're right, like the um in Job of the Hutt's world where all of the aliens are supposed to be our enemies you know, they look like crazy lizard people or they look like, you know, um, pigs. Pigs or they look like I mean, you know, all these things that look like nightmare creatures. Whereas when we meet some of the Republic, you know, allies, uh they look more cuddly or they look more like friendly. Um uh do you remember, what is the race of the co-pilot who flies with Lando uh in Return of the Jedi? Um hmm
1: I don't actually know his race. You're, you're talking about Nien-Nob.
0: Yeah, nien yeah. And you can picture what he looks like. Like, yeah. he looks a lot less scary than most of the Jabba uh, enemies. And yeah, I,
1: and that's kind of problematic, too. Like, they they, they, they write and play that in, like, a comic relief kind of way. It's, it's like a proto Jar Jar to me in a lot of ways.
0: Mm, I can see that. I can see that. But, yeah, there's, there's definitely racial coding that's happening all throughout these movies. And I mm. think... Jar Jar, I think the um, Jar Jar and um, uh, 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 Gunray are, are probably two of the worst examples. Although we'll definitely talk about more as we go along.
1: So yeah, Jar Jar is just is a character is bad because he is a walking Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, where he just solves problems by accident. In this episode, he like accidentally. Falls over and destroys four battle droids who are trying to capture him and three PO. Right, and then and three PO like Jar Jar, watch out behind you. There's a, a crab droid, and then he pratt falls, and the crab droid falls into the lake. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's just ridiculous and unbelievable. And but I think in a lot of ways it's intentional because this show like is partly for kids, yeah. and I think. Kids just like that kind of stuff, and like they they they're, they're not going to overthink, you know, Deus ex machina, right? So it's just like fun to see a silly character destroy the bad guys.
2: Yeah, but it, go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say there's definitely like a way of doing the sort of prat-folly goofball that doesn't tread into this like questionable uh, like racial coding um, that that Jar Jar does, and I think there's also a way of doing sort of goof, goofball pratfall without just being such an annoying two dimensional character. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah.
0: I mean, one thing that makes me think about is I know that George Lucas and Jim Henson worked very closely together on all the puppets that were the monsters in so many of the original movies. And I really wish George Lucas had at some point asked Henson, how do I tell stories for kids? Because, I am a huge, huge Muppet fan. I love the Muppet show. I love the Muppet movies. I adored them when I was five or six years old. And now I go back and watch them as an adult. And there's so much, so many jokes that I realize I didn't get. And and I feel like the Muppets, what they do so well is they are very clearly for kids, but in a way that never makes adults feel like they're being stupid. Mm. Um, And I kind of feel like that's Jar Jar Banks to me is a character that Jim Henson would have never written. And I wish Definitely. that like... There's a little more of that. Like, you can do a kids' show without it feeling so childish.
2: Yeah, totally. I So, I mean, I always watch every year at Christmas. I watch The Muppet Family Christmas. Oh, it's, yeah. It's definitely, like, for kids. Um, but, yeah, there's there's so much. It's just such... There, there's those, those, like, winky jokes to adults. But even though it's aimed for kids, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make you feel stupid. And you have, I think, Fozzie Bear, who's sort of maybe the analog of Jar Jar who does all these sort of pratfalls and it's like waka waka silliness but never feels stupid and it never feels like like even in, in Clone Wars it it feels like Padme is just babysitting Jar Jar all the time right. like in this episode she tells him like no, Jar Jar just stay on the ship and don't do anything <laughs> silly no, no. mom's so gonna go to the grocery store I'll be right back stay
1: here and keep an eye on 3PO okay. it's literally like Stay here and watch your younger sibling,
2: <laughs> but like in a way that she's just giving him a task to make him feel important. Right? Yeah. Like she doesn't actually want him to watch three Um But yeah, and and it's it's so. There's even there's a later episode where they talk about how oh, uh, the senator from Naboo is de- dealing with this, and they're like oh, it's fine. Padme's competent. And they're like no, 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 not Padme. And they're like oh god, no, <laughs> the, the everybody other, get over there. It's yeah. Jar Jar,
0: the
1: other senator. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. And that's the thing is it's a question of stakes. Like if Fozzie screws up, then a second-rate amateur TV show maybe that Kermit is running maybe doesn't go so well. If Jar Jar screws up, then intense diplomatic negotiations to possibly end a galactic war don't go well. Like to me, it just doesn't make any sense of taking Jar Jar along. Yeah. Um, so putting that aside, so what did I, – I remember the um, Rodia is the name of the the planet that this is all happening on. The Rodians is the race that um, uh, Guido comes oh, from. Oh, oh, by the way,
1: uh, I, I have I, – I, I don't know. I'm going to say this every time this comes up. But I object, I object to the phrase Han shot first. The phrase should <laughs> okay. just be Han shot because in the original, Guido never gets a shot off.
0: Oh, that's actually a really good point. Okay. Yeah, thank you. We, we will just, you know. So, like,
1: in itself, Han shot first is like this acknowledgement of the terrible Greedo shoots first yes. shot.
0: Also, I've been calling Greedo, Guido, which oh. makes it sound like there's an anti-Italian thing happening. That's just my own brain being <laughs> stupid. Lucas wasn't uh, – that wasn't intentional racism on uh, Lucas's part. His name actually is Greedo. Thank you. Greedo, um, yeah. But so what's, what's your take on this particular plot line of uh, Padme going to try and negotiate with his planet – and this planet feeling like it's not sure where it fits in this war because it's, you know, so poor and so uh and not getting supplies it needs and how all this plays out. It's it's
1: weird to me because the Rhodians are also played or voiced in a slightly Asian manner. And mm-hmm. so it f I I I've been trying to figure out like what is the historical analogue here. Like, is this a like Vietnam? or or like something or or China like pre World War II and the Nemodians are Japan Imperial Japan mm. like it was I'm, I was trying to figure out like what is this Asian versus Asian situation going on
0: I definitely got Cold War and I feel like it's it's meant to be a little bit of an analog of Vietnam but also Latin America and also some of the African countries you know all of these different um developing world countries um that were kind of being caught in the middle between the two big power blocks that are both saying like come be with us it'll be better for you mm-hmm. where really both of them just mean it, it's all about us um i i didn't get the asian but i think uh, I, I i defer to you there because i think that's an interesting thing that you you noticed um one thing i thought was interesting was and this is probably for just storytelling technique but here we have an instance of a character um before, the, the only Rodian who we had met before didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've often thought one of the conceits is supposed to be when, like, a character is speaking an alien language and a human is speaking English. My interpretation of that always was that their biology doesn't allow them to kind of make the words of the other's language, but mm-hmm. they can understand each other's language. That's why they're not speaking the same language. So I did think it was funny that the Rodians were speaking English. Um, well, there's and- one
2: Rodian who only speaks
0: Rodian. Mm, okay so, so maybe yeah. it's the, the the diplomat is the one who knows how to speak mm. it mm-hmm. um what's uh uh what what is it that you kind of know was it something about the accent or just kind of the, the way their culture was set up that read as asian to you
1: the, the accent mostly
2: yeah uncle what what does she call him uncle what's his name
1: Oh, Ona? Oh,
2: Ona? Yeah, I, I forget. Um, but Padme refers to him. Ona
1: Kanda Far. So I think Uncle she, she calls him Uncle Ona.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um, he, he, yeah. I definitely picked up the, like, slight Asian accent as well. But yeah, it's, it's so interesting because of the, when, when Padme gets there, she's like, please don't join the separatists. Like, the Republic is tote's gonna be there for you. Um, and he's like, "Well, my people are starving, and Sidious has—well, I guess he's not going by Sidious, but um, or is it? Yeah, Sidious no, is his normal Dooku. name. And then Dooku. 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 thats Dooku. it. No one knows. No one knows Sidious is in charge. Yeah, like, publicly. Duku um, has said he's going to give us food, so we're going to go with the guy who's going to give us food because yeah. we're starving. Which is like a totally understandable position. But then, as soon as they get there, they—they they kidnap." had me and he's like no this like this person is like my niece let's not kidnap her and then go so far as to they're gonna assassinate her and uh and they're they're also not giving food to the to yeah. the audience so it's like he, he like has instant regrets and it's and again a situation where the bad guys are like laughably bad
0: yeah. right in yeah.
2: a in a not, not subtle at all way
0: Certainly, it it's to play more on the Newt Gunray point. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to give this person the book How to Make Friends and Influence People, <laughs> yeah. um, because it's just you're right. It, it is so cart, uh, literally cartoonishly dumb. You know, if well, it you has want- to fit in half an hour. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's sure. it, it's disappointing to me. I think because, well, it, it, part of why I, in some ways, this is actually an episode I really enjoy, even though parts of it are so frustrating to me, <laughs> because. I like – we talked in the last episode among us about you know, our questions about what's happening to worlds that are not part of the republic or the separatists and what's going on. And I I find the story of two power blocks that both want to convince these little worlds to join their war and the little world is just saying like, look, we're just not getting enough food. We don't care about this struggle between you two. Um I found that, and I found the conversations between the senator and Padme, Padme the, the two senators, really interesting. Um, yeah. Even if then they're kind of, you know, I, I I would have wished that the Separatists made a little bit of a better case, you know, and were a little more subtle in their their mustache twirling. But yeah, that's not well, what we're getting yet. <laughs>
1: well, like I said, I mean, th- this had to fit into thirty minutes or however, right. twenty five minutes with commercials. If if they had more time to develop this, it would probably be like the separatists offer them these things and give them some of it, but secretly, you know, like are cutting them short or whatever. Like, that's how you would actually manipulate this political situation, not just immediately be like, ha ha ha, you get nothing.
0: Right. Like, th- I feel like it's weird that this was just one episode because this could have been a really good three or four episode arc.
2: Yeah, definitely. Or even, not even just like, haha you get nothing. Just be like, yeah, yeah, your food's coming. Don't worry about it. We're going to kidnap Podme and Killer now. Mm. But don't worry, your food's totally coming. Right. Like, yeah, I think their, their subtlety is not really the theme, I guess, of these, of, of these early episodes.
0: Yeah. Which, which is well, funny because, oh, go ahead.
1: One, one subtle thing. I, I, I did not pick up on this until the second viewing. Oh, yeah. Was the. The Jedi robes that Jar Jar dons in order to trick the Separatists into thinking that he's a Jedi, question mark. (laughs) Like, why are these Jedi robes on Padme's ship?
0: They're Anakin's.
2: Oh.
1: He left his robe on the ship.
0: Yeah. Yep, that's that's you know sometimes you 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 leave your pair of pants at the yeah. at the Woody call's house. That's what But he
1: like it like you don't realize it because three P is just like ah oh, there are Jedi robes in here. Like what are they doing here? And it's yeah. like wait a minute, what are they doing here?
0: That's a very good point. I had not picked up on that, but I I this is one of those times where I have no idea if the Clone War writers intended that or maybe like. The fourth guy on the writing staff threw that in, hoping no one else would notice. Yeah. Um, but it's a great point either way.
2: Yeah, well, and also, but the fact that J- Jar Jar's putting on, like, he's not even putting on the robes to disguise himself as a Jedi. Is he? Is he just putting it on as a disguise? And later, people see him in these obvious Jedi robes and are like, "A Jedi is here!" And yeah, he like yeah. turns around and goes, "Like a Jedi, where?" <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that whole thing. let just the least the less we can talk about that, the better. Um, okay. <laughs> is- by, by the oh. way,
1: I I was reminded from the previous droid episodes, the planet that Grievous is attacking is uh-huh. Bothawai. Oh, okay. Which is the home world of the famed Bothans, the oh. spies oh, who died to bring the Second Death Star plans.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. You
2: you need to explain your big plot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um. well no like so so Botham's actually play heavily in the first Thrawn novel trilogy yeah there, there the, there's a senator from Bothawai who is um, Leia's primary political opponent
0: they have a blue skit blue light blue blue fleur that uh um changes that you can sort of read their emotions by um that seems inconvenient shall we uh, uh yeah for a very subtle spy-like race um Shall we move towards um, uh, the ninth episode?
2: Oh, before we do, I just have Go one, like, Jar Jarism that I want to... So oh dear. Oh well, God. it's... <laughs> no, it's, it's it's like, the most clever line. I don't know. I thought it was clever. So there's a, a point where 3PO is like, We surrender. We surrender. And then Jar Jar says, Forget about render. We surrun
0: And then they oh turn around and goodness. run. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's... And I
2: that's... just, uh, yeah, I... I love and hate that line. That's so. that's
0: kind of a good one. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you that one. All right, so um, that episode ends with with um uh uh what am I trying to say? That episode ends with uh, Gunray being captured. Mm-hmm. So episode nine is uh, Gunray has been captured, and now there is this epic battle to try and rescue Gunray, um, led by Ventress, who is the um woman uh jet uh dark jedi uh sith who is the kind of mentor of darth sidious um apprentice apprentice Apprentice, yeah thank you um sidious is her mentor Mm -hmm. um she comes on board the ship to try and rescue gunray um there is another woman jedi of a different race whose name i forget who is there and she and padme together fight ventress there's a big fight all throughout the the ship And it eventually turns out that um, a member of the um, Republic Navy, a captain, uh, actually a part of the Senate Guard, um, uh, (laughs) betrays them all and is working for Sidious and tries to help Gunray escape. Um, And I believe it ends with – I'm trying to remember. I believe it ends with them foiling the escape plans. Um,
2: Uh, No,
1: he
0: escapes. He escapes. No, no. I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. He does escape. That is correct.
2: And then, yeah, uh, so the old – two-timer captain dude in the end yeah he's talking to ventress and he was like i expect half of the profits i'm kind of slimy and she goes okay and then stabs him that's great yeah uh jenny master what is it luminara kit Kit fisto kit fisto's the dude kit fisto's the like octopus head guy it yeah lumin luminara I'm I'm reading it here. I don't I don't okay. know this. Luminara Und- Unduli. Unduli. She's like she has an apprentice in a later episode that we meet, and then mm. the, her and Ahsoka yes become friends. Um, but yeah, it's so it, <laughs> I think there's an interesting thing where like again this idea of like don't get attached, don't let your feelings get in the way, where Ahsoka's kind of like taunting Gunray a little bit while he's in prison. Yeah. Um, and like some like stuff's going. Ahsoka's been ordered to stay there. And watch Gunray. But there's the like Asajj, Ventress who's like fighting in the other parts of the ship and, and Ahsoka who has Anakin for a master obviously wants to disobey orders and go get in the fight. Uh and then the, the captain, uh, who it turns out is is working for the other side, he's like, You know, the reason we're not we're not droids is because we're not programmed. We gotta use our our logic and our intuition to do stuff. So like I think you should totes disobey orders. right and she's like oh yeah and runs off and he's just like well that was easy and like stabs everybody else and releases gunray why
1: why is it like anyone putting all of the pieces together like well boy howdy like this this senate guard that you sent sure did betray us and it's just (laughs) like we're we're just gonna accept the fact that we have traitors in the mist everywhere
2: yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh man, that information that Palpatine gave us sure was bad. Someone must have given him bad information. Well, yeah, the Senate Guard that he sent sure was bad. How how could anyone have foreseen this?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm definitely with you there. One one uh, small plot, not even a plot, but just a detail that drives me crazy because I for I don't know why I'm, I care so much about this. But this is the second in three episodes in which a Sith master or Sith a Sith force wielder has stabbed someone who thought they were their enemies in the back, literally through a chair. <laughs> and so that's weird. But I, 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 I and my first mind thought... Mind the furniture? Well, my first thought was mind the furniture. But when the captain slides off the chair, the oh. chair is perfect. <laughs> no and it hole. is so annoying to me because it's like, you literally just stabbed him through this chair. There right. should be a smoking hole in the chair. Um,
1: and on a live-action show, you can understand why they would make that mistake. Right. But in a cartoon, you should be able to just draw the
0: hole. <laughs> it should be pretty simple. Anyway. Jeez, um, I
2: never noticed that. Oh, my gosh.
0: I, I will say one of the things I think that is really cool about this episode is um, we get a protracted, and I think, fairly well-animated lightsaber battle between three women.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
0: – um. I don't want to say three females because that sounds like I'm a Ferengi, but what what <laughs> three members of three different races, all of whom are female. Um, I think three women works because that's yeah. I, I don't know whatever the term is, but yeah, it it's a really awesome lightsaber battle between the three of them. Um, which I, I I really liked as a moment because um, women don't always come off the best in this show. We've been getting a lot of damselness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I did like that scene quite a lot as well as the dynamic between... It was fun getting to see Ahsoka, not with Anakin.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and going off and... Sort of like, you, you could see sort of the Anakin influence when she goes off to go save this other uh, Jedi Master, who is... Originally, it's just her and um, Ventress fighting, and then Ahsoka's like, well, clearly they need my help. Uh, and and goes in. And, and, I mean, it turns out they do. Like, uh, she would have... She was like, I think she was like trapped under a like a column or something like that 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 ventress mm. shoved on her with the force
1: well ventress uses two lightsabers yeah so you need a second, you need a second person to just yeah. involve <laughs> stack Otherwise.
2: up yeah and i mean ventress is also very good at what she does right, right. Um, is she yeah she's no slouch
1: okay
2: we'll
0: is, get is to interesting that because uh unduly uh i i think i see her pronounce her name the the other mm. jedi uh, at one point, like, you know, berates um, Ventress for being like a sloppy version of Count Duke of Sidious's style. Mm-hmm. And I think that's meant to just sort of get under her skin because we've seen Ventress. De- well, Ventress, as far as I can tell, is as good as the plot needs her to be. Yeah. Because she's very good when we want to see her be very good. And she's very easily defeated when we want to see mm-hmm. how good Yoda is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Definitely. What's your take on uh, Ahsoka in this? As you said, Ahsoka gets pretty mad and pretty emotional.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, she also gets, like, very easily manipulated. Yeah. Which is, I think, again, another tick in the ignore your uh, your emotions column. Um, she's a youth. She's a youth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, she's definitely got that, like, headstrong. And, and also the... Um, Thinking she's important, I guess. Yeah, I um, and like it turns out she is, but just this idea that like me, this Padawan, this Jedi Master needs me to come and and help battle, otherwise, like she's never gonna make it.
0: Yeah,
1: but doesn't does it make sense for Ahsoka to be so similar personality wise to Anakin at this point?
2: She's like the light, fun Anakin. It feels like,
1: but. But my understanding of the Jedi system mm-hmm. is that they start indoctrinating them at a very young age. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Like, when, when we meet Anakin in A Phantom Menace, he's, what, like, 10 years old? Right. A- and they say, Nine. well, he's too old to start the training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meaning he's, he's too old to indoctrinate. Mm-hmm. So presumably Ahsoka would have gone, gone in at the normal age. And had, like, non-Anakin people teaching her. And then all of a sudden, when she's a teenager, I guess, she gets this kind of offbeat, rebellious master. Mm -hmm. And then just immediately changes? Or, I don't know. Like, is that...
0: Certainly, I would have liked to see someone along the way go, you know, maybe Anakin's not that good a teacher. And we should (laughs) give her to someone else. Because, yeah, like, there seems to be this laughable, like... Oh well, that's just Ahsoka. You know, she's just as kind of wacky as her, um, as her teacher. Even though at the same time they're saying, "Oh, by the way, that laughable wackiness of her teacher will possibly lead the two of them into becoming some of the most evil, like, you know, lead them to the dark side," which is something that they're all pretty solidly against. Um, it definitely seems like a pretty big inconsistency. Plot device,
2: yeah. It's. I mean, I, I, I like Ahsoka. Her character is like rapidly becoming way less annoying and way more relatable. Not yet. Not yet, but she's like on the way. I don't yeah. think she's used a cheesy nickname in this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say Ahsoka is one who by season three or four gets to be a much, much better character. Mm-hmm. Did, okay.
1: Did she have a cheesy nickname for Ventress?
0: I don't think I so. I can't remember. I think she or... calls her Baldy yes
1: that's okay. that's what i feel it
0: like that's less of a
2: cheesy nickname and more of a taunt yeah, but yeah. sure yeah all right i i i concede
0: to that I, um to me the moment that really threw me and i guess maybe it's supposed to be again showing um anakin's you know the combination of anakin's influence with um her being so young and not a full jedi and i did at least like it that the other jedi really calls her on it but it's the moment when newt isn't telling them things and she um, gets really mad at newt and basically like you know, the the bad. police interrogation equivalent of yes. shoving them against a wall and being about to punch them.
1: Bad cop. <clears throat> yeah, She was bad cop.
0: Um, yeah, doesn't which,
2: she? She like threatens him with a lightsaber, right?
0: Right. And she later claims that she didn't mean that she was going to do anything, but she doesn't strike me in that moment as like she's making a calm, rational decision to scare him. It strikes me as she's letting go and losing herself in her anger and you know flying off the handle a bit, which is something that. You know, if that's a cop in an interrogation room, I'm not very happy about that and if it's a Jedi, it seems like that's supposed to be much worse.
1: Well, it depends on what precinct because if it's <laughs> law and order SVU, boy yeah. howdy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean I do like that Luminara calls her on it. Right. Super fast and is just like this this is not the Jedi way. I don't care if you're actually intending to use violence on him or not. Like this isn't this isn't how we interrogate people. This isn't how we t- treat our captives yeah who um, use
1: the force to pry open their minds
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> much much
1: better
2: yeah um
1: why why use brute force <laughs> brute force wait a minute
2: yeah mm. um but oh gosh oh brute force oh my goodness okay that's bad that was a bad pun and you should feel bad mm-hmm. um but yeah, it is, it is, so I think it's partly Anakin's influence, but partly, like, she's still a kid, right? So right. I don't know, I mean, I guess even if she's indoctrinated from a young age, she, she's got that, like, uppie teenager attitude, um, and is maybe not always making the most rational, cold choices 100% of the time. And right. this is very, like, because, because Nude's taunting her, basically, um, and she just kind of snaps on him.
0: The idea that I, I that I get out of this is that yeah, I I think Riki, you're right that like the Jedi indoctrination should have gotten most of this out of them, but maybe there's a certain thing that just happens. You know, teenagers are teenagers, and the idea is sort of once she gets uh to be a Padawan, a good mentor will kind of help bring them out of that, <laughs> hmm. and that um instead, Anakin <laughs> is doing the exact opposite, and I guess that that. That understanding kind of tracks for me, even though it okay. doesn't quite make sense. So um, it's
1: like when when the kid leaves home for college and and joins like a not a cult. What am I thinking
2: like of? Like a frat? <laughs> yeah, frat. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Well, like I mean, right? Because like Anakin's yeah. supposed to mentor her and show her like the ways of the Jedi and how we we deal with situations like this with our calm, cold, rational um thinking when instead he's like threatening like scrappers with lightsabers and 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 not following following orders orders. yeah so she's like well if it works for anakin i I don't think she has a reason to think that (sighs) this isn't a bad and
1: you're setting a bad example sky guy (laughs)
0: yeah um so should we go to the uh, the last episode that we're talking about today the layer of grievous um (laughs) it is a very grievous episode um, in this one, um, Jedi master Kit Fisto and his former apprentice Nadar Veeb follow the tracking beacon of the stolen ship to the planet Vasik. Um, they find the ship outside a castle, but Gunray's not on board. Um, and it ter- quickly turns out that what we have found is the Jedi have been l- lured into a trap. And it's a trap. The, 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 um, also lured into this trap is General Grievous and Dooku's trap. basically yeah, a double trap. Um, two two uh Admiral Ackbar's the price of one yeah. um well isn't uh, it, well let is, me finish the summary quick yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so Duku's plot is that he wants to kind of test Grievous because Grievous has been failing a bunch recently so he wants either for Grievous to succeed and prove that doubts about him are wrong or for the Jedi to kill Grievous once and for all and thus Duku know that he needs a replacement um and the end result is that um uh uh, one the the Padawan of Kit Fistu, Um VeB, is a little bit more emotional than he should be. Kind of again going back to the conversation we just had about Ahsoka rushes into battle, um, and is killed by uh Grievous, um, and uh Grievous winds up eventually escaping, but certainly does not kill all the Jedi that Dooku would have wanted him to. Mm-hmm. And the battle is kind of a draw with everybody left unhappy. Um, and mostly I walk away going, "Wow, this is the first time like." We were talking before about how a lot of people die in this episode, and this is the first time that a named child Jedi – I mean, like he's like 15 or 16, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we develop an attachment to him in the episode, and he dies. And that, that hit – not that that hit me in like an emotional way. I think it was a little bit emotional about it. But it definitely was like, wow. This is we two, – two episodes ago, we had Jar Jar Binks and a super kid show, and now we have some really adult content.
1: Yeah, but the, so when this episode started, uh huh, and people were flying into the double trap, I it was pretty obvious to me that the the kid was a I, I start calling them red shirt Jedi <laughs> reference yeah. to Star Trek the red shirts who be, beam down with anytime you have someone in a red shirt who beams down with Kirk Spock and McCoy that person is dead right and so you have you know, Master Kit Fisto, who, if you watch the movies, you know he survives until he confronts Palpatine. So right. Kit Fisto can't die. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but this other Jedi who we've never seen, like, mm, probably dead.
2: I think isn't he's um, mentioned in an early episode. Fisto? Yeah, his character is first seen during the opening newsreel of the episode Rookies. Yeah. Not Fisto. Neeb. Or yeah, the the Mongkamari. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, I I thought he was related to Akbar somehow, so I right. looked at his little wiki page. <laughs> He's not. It's just the same
0: species, but yeah, But he is Mongkamari, does... yes. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and which is, is the kind of like it's a trap. Mm. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: Oh moment. yeah.
2: Um. But yeah, I I the thing I like about this episode is like the sassy caretaker droid. Mm. Um. Who who deal has to deal with Grievous, and how we, we get more sort of references to Grievous's choice to replace so much of himself um, with with droid bits. Uh, so the caretaker droid has to, I think it's like replace Grievous' faceplate. Um, it's cracked. Yeah. And we get like a really yeah a a, a moment where I'm questioning. This is a kids show. Where he he has to, like, take the faceplate off and put it on with a new one. And we just hear, like, Grievous' agonizing screams. He's like, why did you do it? Why would you even do this? And he's like, it makes me stronger. This was my choice. Which is, yeah, interesting. But also makes <laughs> me wish that we would get more into why why Grievous has decided to do this. Well, Sarah, yeah.
1: you also noticed that in the background of this fortress, there, was it statues or paintings or something? yeah of of grievous in his former existence yeah as a non-droid
2: um oh has, i didn't
1: pick
0: up on that that's awesome
2: yeah he's like a four-armed it starts with a k and i'm gonna find it again um but yeah he was like a war her- hero um dude so,
1: so yeah like he just has statues of himself which is
2: like <laughs> it seems very castle. on brand um but yeah he's i don't know He's an interesting dude and to be with this sort of like um the, the, the caretaker droid, what's the A A D four? Mm, yep. Is like it's he's got like a kind of funny, like wise cracking sort of voice, and I don't know if he's like sort of meant to bring some levity, but he, he almost has this like creepy mad scientist vibe.
0: That's definitely what I picked up on, yeah. Yeah. Kalesh is what Kalesh, okay. this used to be. There we go.
1: Kaladesh.
2: No, not quite. <laughs> not
0: quite.
1: K- Kalesh or Kalish?
2: Kalish. I'm not 100% sure. K-A-L-E-E-S-H.
0: And I guess to to your point, uh, Riki, I, I think this was works. the episode where I learned that Jedi could be red shirts. Like, mm-hmm. there, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a part of me that kind of going into it went, I wonder if they're going to let any Jedi actually die. Because it, it felt, if he hadn't been a red shirt, I would 100% have thought he was going to die. Because he was a Jedi, I'm sorry, if he hadn't been a Jedi, I would have have thought he was going to die. Because he was a Jedi, I I wasn't sure. And then once he died, I was like, okay, so Jedi can be red shirts. Now I get this. Yeah, especially
2: a kid too, But they they
1: also play up his inexperience. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: Yeah, Yeah. but it's still like, I feel like in a typical kid's show, I think I would expect like the played up inexperience. He rushes in there, makes a mistake, and then a whole bunch of people have to come save him. But not that. He just straight up dies.
0: Mm. Yeah. Maybe that a whole bunch of clones die for his mistake. Well, they did, right? Right, like The clones
1: yeah. died and then he gets upset that he yeah. Grievous killed the clones. And that's, that's what leads to his downfall. So, again, we have a Jedi getting emotional.
0: Yep. Which, by the way, I just want to back up a few episodes because I forgot to mention this. One of my other thoughts about the whole um, R2 plot line is it's not just that Anakin is determined to save his droid. Anakin gets a whole bunch of droid of clones killed to save mm-hmm. his droid, um, oh. which just again goes to all the weird things about when Anakin cares about uh like putting others at risk and when he doesn't mm. um
2: yeah well, but, it's very much like it's he's going after like his pet, right, and it doesn't matter how many how many other people have to die for that cause, he's going to save his friend, which yeah. is the sort of the trend right yep With exactly.
0: it's what he can be in control of
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um
0: So, yeah, overall, this episode, I thought, didn't really tell us much, Um, you know, a little sad moment with the Jedi, a little more of Jedi need to be careful of emotions, Um, a little more about Grievous, but again, would have liked a lot more. Um, Is there anything big you guys kind of picked up on from these episodes, from this episode? So, I've had to watch it three or four times because I keep falling asleep.
2: It's just not super compelling, even despite it being so, like seemingly action-packed there's also just like not a lot going on um and nothing to really keep my attention so yeah i had to actually like watch it a couple times to get all the way through the episode yeah it's
1: well action action is not interesting on its own Mm -hmm. in my opinion and that's a that's the problem i have with a lot of these episodes is i call them Pew Pew episodes where <laughs> there's a lot of action, but it's just, you know, people shooting lasers at each other or just lightsabers hitting each other over and over again for no yeah, reason. With that. And I think, you know, when we when we look at the lightsaber duels in movies, in the movies, that that is action, but it's really the human emotions behind them that make them so good. Mm. The yes. lightsaber duel in Return of the Jedi between mm. Luke and Vader. The the moment where Vader talks about Leia, you know, m- if you won't turn, maybe she will, mm-hmm. and he gets mad, and, and that moment and the music behind it is just so good. Yeah, and you, that's we're not getting that right in these lightsaber duels. It's just z- 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 repetitive, z- z- rate, z- z-
0: right, yeah. Well, part of it's if we get to see one lightsaber duel every two years, then they have so much more power than when we're seeing one every week, you know, yeah. or every thirty yeah. minutes if we're binging. Um, and and
2: also like when when we're seeing the lightsaber duels in the movies, it's between characters we know and we've invested a lot of time in, and we understand the sort of the gravitas behind those battles. Whereas when it's just, like, droid v. clone, even though clones don't have lightsabers, but, like, right, just droids and clones shooting at each other, we don't care as much, right? Because yeah. we, don't, we don't really know who these people are. Or even when it's just, like, some... Um, Young Jedi that we've just been introduced to at the beginning of this episode, right? We don't have as much investment in it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's a kind of the double-sidedness of what Lucas created with the clones and droids. Is he wanted there to be a war that we didn't have to get too emotionally invested in and feel upset about? But then we're not emotionally invested, so we don't really care. Mm,
2: yeah.
1: the The other the other problem I think in with not just getting a lightsaber duel every week, but Getting a lightsaber duel between two people who you know can't kill each other. Because yeah. because we know the plot. Yeah. Because we know that Grievous has to make it through. We know certain Jedi have to make it through. So like anytime you have Grievous versus Obi Wan, you know it's gonna end in a in a in yeah. a tie or like someone's gonna escape or whatever. Like so it, it's hard to get emotionally invested in that.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the problem with prequels that I think that these, unfortunately, they they do a very good job of filling in the details, and, and it's kind of why I think a lot of my favorite episodes are about the clones because we don't know which of them survived and which don't, and so there isn't like I like the episodes that are not about the characters who we know where they wind up because then there is a lot more potential for surprise and 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 not knowing where they where they find find themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but but I'm I think also like given that it's a TV show. You kind of have to assume that the main characters will survive until at least like potentially a season season finale type situation.
0: This is not Game of Thrones. Yes, we're not going to have characters <laughs> well, randomly can, like, dying.
2: Well, Game of Thrones waited until their season finale or I guess yeah. penultimate.
1: But but it's but. like it's hard to imagine even if we knew nothing about the future plot of Star Wars. It's hard to imagine just randomly, like, in Season 3, Episode 6, Obi-Wan defeats Grievous, right? Like, that's just right. never going to
0: happen. Yeah, that's that's not the way TV works, even now, but especially back then.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I could see, like, some of the minor characters that are introduced just in the Clone Wars. Like, who knows when Ahsoka's going to go? Probably not until the very, very, very end. But, like, right. we don't see her in the movies. Like, I think They're Rex right is the
0: only clone we know survives. Yeah, yeah. and no, like, it's Cody.
2: Cody? Oh, it's Cody. I'm sorry, two. it's Cody. It's not Rex. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it, it, like, Fives could be any of those random clones hanging out in the background of the movies, or right. it could be none of them, right? So we don't have... Mm-hmm. We have that, that uncertainty with them.
1: Look, I, we haven't gotten to that point in our viewing, but if at any point uh, Rex dies, I might actually cry to a cartoon.
2: Oh, I... I there's I, a... You cried... When have uh, we gotten to the spoilery bit yet? Okay, let, I was gonna say we should, we're almost
0: done with this, and there's not too much to say spoilery. So let's let's go into spoilers. Uh, someone's gonna die. Spoilers in three, two, one. You cried when Nines died. Who's like the the caretaker who we uh,
2: meet? Oh, 99.
1: Yeah, Ni- ninety
2: nine. Yeah. Oh, my N- not, sorry, I gotta cry now. I know. Ninety nine. And, and oh, that was I'm, a good moment. Yeah, I feel like we'll probably we might even de- like we'll de- devote a giant chunk um, of our episode to that to that episode or the, yeah. the the two that are sort of conjoined there. But yeah, oh, 99 is great, and I I wept when when he died. Aww. I'm
0: I'm excited to get back to that because that that was that that was it. It's one of the things I think is so interesting about the show, and it's why I'm glad that you guys aren't aren't willing aren't aren't hesitant to dive into the bad parts of this because it's i don't re, i don't know many tv shows where i have so many episodes that i'm so frustrated by how bad they are and then also there are episodes like and characters like 99 who hit me as much as they do um it's a very like the, the pendulum of this episode it's got a very low floor and a very high ceiling in a way Definitely. not many tv shows have
2: yeah i mean i think like i think i said this before a lot of tv shows suffer from just like bad first season syndrome. Yeah. Um and, and Clone Wars is definitely no exception. But yeah, it gets so much better. Um like the the episode with ninety nine is in season three.
0: That yeah. sounds right. Um, yeah.
2: yeah. And it's by that point, like I'm I'm thoroughly invested. And like each of the seasons have their own um sort of theme that goes throughout them. Whereas season one, it still feels like we're kinda bumbling around trying to find where clone wars fits how to tell these stories um and sort of what they can get away with
0: i i wonder if and I, maybe one of us can look into this i'll try to you know one of the things that sometimes happens you know a first season is no one has any idea how much time they have left mm. and it's only once you you know generally if a show gets a first if a show gets a second season then it might get a third But once you get a third season, I think a lot of shows kind of get into a rhythm of unless something really goes bad, we're going to give you five or six more. Um, You know, so it may have been also that in this first season, especially, you know, they didn't know if Anakin had to be ready to turn to the dark side by the end of season one or if Mm. they were going to like they they didn't. They knew where everyone had to end up, but they had no idea how fast or how slow to get there. Um, Yeah. You know.
2: That may yeah, I- that's a really good point. Like, it does feel like the whole time they're leaving it open for, you know, in the next few episodes. Okay, quick, Anakin's in the dark side. Ahsoka's dead. Jar Jar's dead. I guess Jar Jar's alive. Um, yeah. Yeah, he he dies after the first, the, the third movie. Or doesn't die. Just, I mean, like, we, hangs we, out in the Senate and we don't hear from him anymore. We, anyway. Yeah.
0: Jar
1: Jar um, is never confirmed a dead.
0: <laughs>
2: tragic. Um but but yeah, yeah, you're you're totally right that it does it does feel very like any moment they can quickly get to where they need to be for the start of uh the third movie of episode 3. Right. Um but yeah. Yeah, I and then once they get into the later
0: seasons, they seem seemingly have more breathing room, I guess. I think that's the case, yeah. So we're coming up on about ninety minutes. Um, any more thoughts or ideas we want to uh, go into? We're about ready to wrap this up.
1: I want to go back to the to the um, the episode six. Go for it. Because there was a straight... like it opens with Grievous, like I said, assaulting the planet wide and he has to go through like an asteroid belt or the rings of a of a gas giant
0: hmm Oh right, god, this there. was so bad.
1: And it and it just I don't understand the military tactics <laughs> in play here because Skywalker knows Grievous is gonna come this way, through the rings, and, and says something along the lines of someone's like, Well what if he goes around the rings? And he's like, No, 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 no. If he goes around the rings, like he'll be at a disadvantage or something like that. Right and I just I was like why
0: yeah it's it's they kind, they're kind of talking as though space is two dimensional instead of three dimensional yeah. and it it that there are times when and this happens in a lot of movies and shows where they want to say like this person is at a disadvantage and so we're going to make up some babble to tell you that um
1: don't try it anakin i have the high ground
0: yeah <laughs> and like sometimes it makes sense and and in, like The high ground argument sort of works, but really not. Um, But especially in this, get out of here! In in this scene, especially, it just made. I I noted that too. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and then when Grievous does go through the asteroid field as predicted, he has to put all of his shields on the front, right? To to deflect the rocks so they don't damage. Well, they do. The I, I don't know how shields work in star wars <laughs> I, they're they're not they don't seem to be like star trek shields where they actually like stop objects because they put all the shields in the front but rocks still hit the ship so it must be like a more like a skin a close skin shield
0: i enemy. thought it, i thought it was kind of like an energy shield like it blanks you know beams of energy like lasers coming at it but not actual things but it's but then why put them all the front yeah,
2: for the rocks? Yeah. What's, the,
1: what's the point of putting all the shields on the front? Because yeah. then, because all the shields are on the front, when Rex and the like walking dinosaur robots on one of the rocks shoot them from behind, there's no shields to stop them. And that's how they win the battle. Well, Because why does it take so long to put the shields back on the back?
0: And somehow Anakin was able to guess... Exactly what part of the asteroid belt which, Grievous would come through? Which rocks he
1: would fly by? And which rocks yeah. he'd
0: fly by? Which is interesting, since those rocks are orbiting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, oh, no, no, we got to stop thinking about. They are moving at a this, fairly fast
0: uh... speed. Like, yeah, it all that whole scene is just absolute garbage. Yeah,
2: one of my one of my biggest pet peeves, not just with Clone Wars or the whole Star Wars universe, but like a lot of space shows. Is that they treat space like it's two dimensional? Yeah. Even even so much as the like when ships meet each other, oh, yeah, they're yeah. always like,
1: I you just want the Enterprise to come up on a Klingon ship that's upside down?
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> like, like, why are they upside down? Even,
1: You're even, upside like, down.
2: Not even not even necessarily upside down, but like come at it from like a weird low angle, slightly upside down. Because like there's no up and down. In but space. they're always on the same on the spatial same plane, plane. They're balanced. always facing each other. Yeah. They're no, always I think right that's just a courtesy.
1: <laughs> someone well, ha- like when you come up to another ship one or the other like kind
2: of but even when changes the angle in, like, of their star ship like star wars when they jump out of warp speed they're all like jump out of warp and are like exactly parallel yeah. with each other and yeah like, this well, doesn't make okay. sense okay no
0: as long
1: as we're talking about technical things that bug you oh my gosh well can i, can I just Bridges. say
0: one, thing? Can I just say one thing on the star wars yeah. part on yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. space flight first space um, flight. the other part of me that really bugs me about that is that ships bank in space yeah, why? When banking is oh, all about the yeah. dynamics of in-air. Um, yeah. And I will say, I'll give a quick plug to one of my favorite. Um, to me, part of what this is a reminder of is that this is very much not science fiction. It is space opera. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say the only thing that has space battles that I think is closest to actual science fiction is Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Because in that one, the ships don't bank. In the, neither... Uh, Babylon 5 also doesn't. Babylon 5 is miles from science fiction. <laughs> um, but those two, at least, the ships don't bank. They actually operate the way you would in a zero-gravity, zero-atmosphere uh, uh, mm-hmm. environment. Anyway. And I, sure forget, did,
1: I forget, did they have sound in space? Like explosions?
0: Uh, I believe not, no. Yeah. yeah.
1: So bridges, bridges. Yes. why do these spacecraft have bridges
0: <laughs> why, why why do you have glass that you can look out when there's no way that the human eye can see any of the yeah. things that are relevant in the idea
1: the idea of a bridge uh, on naval ships is that you want something that's kind of higher up so that you can see over the horizon over the waves and mm-hmm. like look for other ships and even now like Bridges are kind of obsolete because it's like radar, right? For sure.
0: And for the most part, so, yeah, on modern naval ships, nothing happens in the bridge. It all happens in the CNC, the command and control center, which is yeah. deep in the ship.
2: Or like where the battle bridge in, in Star Trek kind of is, right? Yes. Which like, yeah, I don't understand you, why they don't you just...
1: Would, you would want your command center to be like in the middle of the ship, not mm-hmm. on top of it with little windows.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, so in Star Trek, it definitely seems like it's just a, a, a holdover from old military. Yeah, because like they don't even tradition. have windows. They, right. just have screen, they just have a view screen, which is a camera well, setup. up. they have, like, what, like, Ten Forward has windows, but yeah, it also doesn't make any sense. But Star Wars, which happens a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, doesn't have naval tradition to, like, call back to.
1: Maybe some of them do.
2: Maybe, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, it seems odd that's but the, sure. okay
1: the the mon calamari mm-hmm. star cruisers don't have bridges right like where where is their command center
2: probably yeah. in the middle where it should yeah. be
1: <laughs> because they're not only because they're not naval they're sub sub naval they have submarines
0: sure so much as i would love to hear a long uh discourse on the nature of starships in the star wars universe uh, i'm sure we'll continue that but it is getting pretty late um, so to wrap up, let's go to our favorite session. Um, I made a point while rewatching these episodes to cover my eyes during the intro scroll, so that I would not see the foot fortune cookie style messages so that we can once again, guess which is which. So, uh, Ricky, take us away.
1: Okay. So this, this time, I think what I'm going to do is read to you both the, well, we, I'll randomize the order, but the opening message. Of the episode, and then the fake fortunecookie dot com message, but don't tell us what your guesses are because I think we want to give the audience a chance to to Ooh. write their guesses in. I like this and maybe one. just like write down your guesses, and then in the next episode, I will reveal during the fortune cookie section how correct you were.
0: I like this one, and and also okay. audience, obviously you can look it up. Please don't. The whole idea is to have some fun guessing, as well as you're to play some fun with um. The idea that these intro messages are kind of dumb fortune cookie messages. (laughs) Um, So feel free to have a guess, and I think that's a great idea. We'll reveal it on the next one. So go ahead.
2: So Matthew and I are going to write down our our guesses for these ones?
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Or or like I can just record the guesses on my spreadsheet. All right. All right. There's a spreadsheet for that. Of course. So episode number six, downfall of a droid. The keyword that I used was Friend. So, quote number one, trust in your friends, and they'll have reason to trust in you. Quote number two is a stranger, or sorry, yeah, a stranger is a friend you have not spoken to yet. So, give me your guesses, but I will not tell you which one is correct.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to guess number
0: one. Um... I'm guessing number one. Because yeah. right. I close. feel
2: like number two is just like Ugh, oh, it feels like an adage, but I mean I guess like Star Wars can just use an old adage in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Episode seven. Duel of the droids. The keyword was heart. Quote number one. You hold on to friends by keeping your heart a little softer than your head. Or quote number two Use your head but live in your heart.
0: Oh. Oh, this is tough. Because they're both that kind of fortune cookie. Like, a radical communist and a Nazi could both <laughs> use either of these to justify their beliefs, you know? Like, that's sure, how wide yeah. open they are. Can, can you read them again?
1: Okay. Quote number one You hold on to friends by keeping your heart a little softer than your head. Quote two Use your head, but live in your
0: heart. I'm going to guess number two.
2: Ooh, I'm going to guess number one.
0: Okay, I'm going to record these guesses.
1: And episode eight. I forgot that this was the title. Bombad Jedi. Oh, gosh. Keyword was times. Quote number one. It's the worst of times you need to summon your optimism. Sorry, that's like... There should be a period. It's the worst of times you need to summon your optimism. Okay. Or quote number two, heroes are made by the times.
0: Number two. Oh, my gosh. Go
2: ahead. mm, Yeah. No, 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 no. Give me your reason because I have no idea. (laughs) It
0: it feels a little more like war propaganda. Like the first one feels like it's more political to everything. The, The second one feels a little more like it's about like, you know, the kind of thing that would be written on, like, to me, that's like an inspirational poster in the barracks of the clone, you know, fo- you know, forward forward army base. Yeah. Okay. Wait, totally.
1: you're I'm going to say number you. two. I'm
0: with
2: you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say number two, too. Matthew's convinced me.
1: All right. Whatever you say. <laughs> Episode nine Cloak of Darkness. The, the keyword I searched for was instincts. Quote number one. Ignore your instincts at your peril, or quote number two: when in doubt, let your instincts guide you.
2: Oh no, they're the same thing. Oh gosh.
0: Um,
2: I think peril feels like a Star Warsy
0: word, so I'm gonna say number one. Yeah, I think that's solid reasoning. I'll say number one. Okay.
1: <clears throat> and finally, episode number ten: Lair of Grievous. The key word was power. Quote number one, discover the power within yourself. Or quote number two, most powerful is he who controls his own power. What? That's that's the quote. Don't...
0: N- number one doesn't sound like a fortune cookie. It sounds like, like a gym slogan. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think, <sighs> Re- read them both again.
1: Okay. Quote number one. Discover the power within yourself. Yeah, that does sound, it does like, a sound like a gym quote, yeah. Quote number two. Most powerful is he who controls his own power.
0: I think it's the second.
2: I'm
1: going to say the gym slogan, number one. Okay. All right. I have recorded your guesses, and we will talk about these next time.
0: Well, again, thank you guys for being a part of this. And to all of our fans and listeners, thank you so much. Let us know what you think. Um... Write in with your guesses, write in with your thoughts on this episode, write in with what we got right or what we got wrong. Um, all of our contact information is on our show notes. Uh, all of it is the Star Wars Universe podcast. You can find us on Twitter. We have both a Facebook page and a group, and I'll put up the, the, um, the questions for the end of the episodes there. Please, if you can figure it out, or if you do look it up, please don't spoil it for anyone else. Give us a chance, and we'll record the answers on our next episode. Uh, if you want to hear more from me or from other people like me, this podcast is part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Universe. Uh, there's a lot of great other podcasts on there, including my own, Superhero Ethics, and the Orville Universe Podcast, as well as others great fan podcasts like this one about the Marvel Universe, DC, Star Trek, Watchmen, a whole lot of great things. So please check all those out. And please, most of all, please keep uh, listening to this. Share it with your friends. Give us reviews on iTunes and places like that. That's how we build the listenership. That's how we build the community. Have a great day, folks.